Good morning. It is great to see you here today. Welcome everybody in Knoxville. If you've got a Bible, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Do you remember when we thought technology was going to make our life better, kind of give us um, get more stuff done and, and give us more time to do it all in. I, I think we uh, believed at one point that progress was actually going to make our life better, but uh, our friends didn't help us at all on this journey because if you're like me, you've got friends in your life that are the, you don't have this, you got to have this, right? It's, it's the person that's like, you got to buy this, you got to get this, everybody has one, but you, it, it, and so then we have to go and we got to buy stuff and do that. Anybody have friends like this? And sometimes we are that friend, but I was trying to f- figure out how to illustrate this. And I thought, well, there's nothing better uh, to really illustrate this than with kitchen appliances. And so hang with me here, but I'm going to take you back to the 90s for just a minute. And in the 90s, people, the whole, the, there, was a, there was a season, there was a craze, and everybody was saying, you got to get a fry daddy. Anybody have a fry daddy? Remember that? It was just a pot with oil and you could fry stuff and you could fry chicken and you could fry french fries and you could just fry stuff. And everybody was saying, you got to have it. You got to have the fry daddy, right? The only problem was when you turned 25, you had to have a bypass surgery. That's the <laughs> negative part of the fry daddy. It wasn't long after that that then everybody started saying, you got to have, <clears throat> you got to have a George Foreman grill. <laughs> you don't have a George Foreman grill, you got to have a George Foreman grill. Well, what do you do on the George Foreman grill? We well, could do hamburgers. You can do chicken. Well, can't you do that on your grill? Well, yeah, but it's just the George Foreman grill. You got to have it. The only thing we ever did was like heat up sandwiches on it. It's pathetic. It's worthless. I don't know why we ever got one in, in the first place. And then, not long ago, this guy came around. <clears throat> People cheer for the Kerrig. <laughs> you're, the, you're the person that talked me into this. You got to have a Kerrig. It's one cup. It's perfect. It's fast. You don't have to do the whole pot. It's, it's, it's amazing, right? You just do one cup. It tastes like dirt. It's just great. You're going to love it. Yeah, nobody, and, and you know, now it's like we're going to be drowning in plastic cups by the year 2025, according to Kamala. But anyway, the care, whoa, that one didn't go over well in this service. <laughs> the first service loved it. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll move on. The next thing they tried to talk me into was the Blackstone. Yeah, see, you, I can hear it in the crowd. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, got to have a Blackstone. <laughs> got to have a Blackstone. It's amazing, it's amazing. You're going to love the Blackstone, Trent. You got to get Blackstone. Like, what are you doing a Blackstone? Pancakes. <laughs> you can do pancakes. It's amazing. You're outside. Well, can't you do pancakes in a skillet? Oh, yeah, but you're, you can do stir fry. You can do the... Everybody wants me to get... A Blackstone. I haven't gone there, but they're close. They keep pushing me even after the first service. The guy in the hallway, you're going to love the Blackstone, man. You're going to love it. All right. here, here, here's the last one. And I promise you, I will not, I will not get this next thing. The air fryer. <laughs> not going to do it, man. All you people, got to have an air fryer. Well, what does it do? Well, it fries food. It's like chicken and you can do this. And I've got a microwave for that. Why do I need another appliance to take up space in my kitchen. On and on, we hear people tell us that there's something that we have to buy. And if you're not careful, you believe this lie that, you know, because of technology and because of stuff that you're just always going to be in this season where 
You gotta buy the next thing. Now, this is funny stuff. This, is, this isn't that expensive, right? But the big problem comes when, it, when it's like clothing and cars and stocks to buy and, and all of these things where it's like even, even a little weightier, it's a little bigger. There's always gonna be something new to spend your money on. And if you're not careful, if you're not wise, you'll fall into this mentality that you've always got to be buying stuff, the next thing. And as a result of this kind of mentality in our culture in America is that people get overextended financially. They don't have money for the Blackstone, but they charge their credit card to get one because it's the craze. It's like you got to have it, right? And, And as a result, people work more. So I work extra hours to get paid more. I get a side gig and the side gig gets me more money. And and I feel like if I have more money, then I can do more things, right? But what happens is we, as soon as we, our our income increases a little bit, next thing we know, boom, we spent it. We don't even know where it goes. Our standard of living increases immediately. And so we've got to be wiser because at the At the rate of our spending, what ends up happening is we spend more than we make, we charge credit cards, and then we're stressed and we're exhausted. There's no margin in our financial life. There's no rainy day fund. If something happens, something breaks, we don't have any money to take care of it. And so we just charge it. And and the majority of Americans, uh, statistics tell us, have between eight and $10,000 worth of credit card debt. They live paycheck to paycheck. That tells us we're overextended. And this is the feeling that we are, what I'm calling, feeling spent. We're just exhausted, financially spent. And, 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 and we're, we don't have time because we're busy working to try to make up for all the stuff that we're trying to pay for. So maybe write this down. When you aren't content, you'll live spent. You'll live exhausted financially worried and stressed and overextended and you're always trying to pay the next bill and take care of the next thing and it's hard to enjoy life because when you aren't content you'll live spent it'll lead you to overspend now when we think about over like contentment and overspending we we, we want to realize that there is a fine line between ambition and and living content The Bible tells us to be content. So if we are not content, then then we would consider that to be sinful, to not be content with what God has has, has given to us. But I also think that it is a good thing to be ambitious. We want to take the next step. You want to grow your business. You want to grow and expand. And and so that's that's a great thing. But the, the line that we need to be aware of, the line of ambition and contentment is very, very gray. And, and I would say we're not living content if we have credit card debt we can't pay for and we're not giving to God's church. If those two things are like in our life, then that's a pretty good indication. I would argue that we're living a spent life. And when we look at the word of God, it teaches us to live differently. We have to be, as Christians, we are in the world, we're not of the world, Right? So we live according to God's standards. And so we're going to look at a lot of scripture today. In Proverbs chapter 23, it says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Some of us are wearing ourselves out to get rich. You're wearing yourself out to get 
more salary, to, to get a second job, the side gig, to get more. And we're wearing ourselves out. And, and, and the result of that is you're emotionally and physically and spiritually weak and you're exhausted. The perception is that if I have money, more money, I'm going to feel secure and I'm going to feel safe. And who doesn't want that? I mean, we all want more security. We all want the, the, the feeling of peace and we feel like money is, is going to give that to us. But there are millions of broken lives in this world and even in this room today who would testify to the reality that the promises of money don't always deliver. In fact, usually they do not. And so some people want money so much that they've given up their faith and they've caused themselves a lot of pain in their life. And I think money is, is really one of the number one temptations that we all face. The number one temptation for us to, to move away from God, to isolate us from God, is, is, is money and trusting money instead of trusting God. Now, money's not evil, it's neutral. I hope everybody in here gets rich and, and, and stewards it well. But the, <clears throat> the reality is, if we aren't generous with what God has given us, then we stop growing. We experience pain in our life and God's blessing isn't on us. And so this is where money turns evil. The Bible says that money isn't evil, but the love of money is evil. And so Money turns evil when we find ourselves trusting in the world's way to manage money instead of trusting God's way to manage our money. The world's way says, hey, just make as much as you can and spend it all. And eventually as you mature, you'll be able to save some, invest some, and just make as much as you can, spend as much as you can, save as much as you can. And as soon as you save up enough, then you'll be able to be generous. Then you'll be able to give. But the problem is, there never is anything that is left over. We believe a lie that I call the someday lie. The someday lie says this, when I have enough, I might blank. When I have enough, someday I might give. I might be generous. Someday when I have enough, then I'll be happy, then I'll be successful. And a lot of people live in this someday mentality, this someday lie that Eventually, I'm going to get to a place to then I'm going to be generous. We treat success or finances like it's some destination, right? That we're going to reach at some point when we get the perfect house and the perfect kids and the perfect stocks and the perfect savings and we get all the perfect stuff. And once we get the perfect salary, then we're going to become generous. Someday I will when you fill in the blank. We'll be able to give then, but we can't give now. And if we believe the lie of someday, we'll always need something else to be happy. I'll illustrate it like this. Uh, when I was a kid, I inherited a hand-me-down bicycle. It was like this yellow Murray bike with the banana seat and the big handlebars. Anybody else have that bike? Uh, that was me, and we lived out in the country. And so, I'm, man, I'm riding that thing everywhere, smooth tires, didn't know any different, loved it. Then we moved into town, into this neighborhood where there were a lot of kids. And all of a sudden, the Murray bike with the banana seat made me look like a loser. <laughs> and so I didn't want that bike anymore. Someday I will fit in if I got the Huffy, right? The Huffy was the thing back in the day and it had the dirt bike tires and it was just awesome and all the other guys had it. 
And so I asked for one and I wanted one. And then eventually mom and dad got me this black and gold Huffy bike. And I thought my someday had arrived. And I was cool there for a while, but then it wasn't so cool to ride your bike. <laughs> and so my someday changed. I figured out there were females and they were, they were pretty good species. And uh, my someday turned into someday, if I could just get a date, then that would be the day, right? And then later on, my someday changed to if I just had a nicer car, right? I think you get the point. I could go on and on about my someday and how it has changed over time. And, and some of you are like, I get it, man. I've been there. Some of you might say, I'm there today. And your someday might be the perfect college that you want to attend. Your someday might be the perfect salary or the perfect house or job. And once we get to that someday, we think, great, I got it. And then we say, wait a minute, that's not it. There's something else. And our someday moves and we believe the lot that someday we're going to be this or we're going to be that or we're going to experience this or that. And the word I want you to write down is to realize that the someday lie is basically this, more, more. I just need more. More of what? Whatever it is, I need a little bit more. And we believe this lie that someday, and so I've got to get more. And we live in this vicious cycle and, and we've got to understand what the word of God says. When you think you need more, you don't stop working. You don't stop spending. And that's how you lose sight of God in your life and you wind up feeling spent. So the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 5.10, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. He doesn't say if you love money, you might be satisfied. He says if you love money, you will not be satisfied. And so we have to wrestle with this. And I know a lot of people are like, well, good thing. Good thing, man, because I do not love money. I like it, but I don't love it. Thankfully, that verse is not true for me. How do you know if you love money? Here's a test. Can you pay off your credit cards at the end of the month? Do you give anything to God? Are you spending more than you make? Are you living paycheck to paycheck? Now, some of you might argue, my salary is so low. This is just, this is just kind of a reality, right? And, and maybe you're in a season where, yes, there are seasons where everything is strapped. But I, if you go back to the day I was making $20,000 a year, you can believe that 10% I was giving to God, even though it was small, that was my offering to God. And so I don't want it to get into a how much and, and this is the level and all of that. It's like, no, 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 let's just get practical here. Let's just get practical. We've got to realize someday is a lie. Someday doesn't work. You've got to get off the treadmill. You've got to rethink money. You've got to rethink your, priority, your priorities. And you've got to live with purpose. Nobody is coming to save you. Nobody's going to knock on your door with a $100,000 clearinghouse check and say, congratulations. Now all your troubles are gone. Like that day's not coming. Some uncle that you've never met is not going to just drop an inheritance. Maybe, I hope, but... We can't bank on that. Some of us need to make drastic changes in our life because you have been living the spent life your entire life and you're exhausted. 
And it's preventing you from growing spiritually. So what does it look like to get onto God's path? Here's what 1 Timothy 6 says. You can read it on the screen or in the word that you brought with you. Verse 17 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. Don't be arrogant, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So a couple of things to to realize. God provides and he does want you to enjoy it. He wants you to enjoy it. It's not like a, I have to give, therefore I don't get to enjoy. No, God wants you to enjoy what he's given to you. He just wants you to be faithful with it. They are to do good and to be rich with good works, right? That means that we serve others, right? That means that we're using our time and we're using our energy and what we have learned in this life to do good towards others. And then he very clearly calls us to be generous, right? And he calls us to share. These are words that don't come naturally to our our lifestyle, but he's calling us to be generous and to share. Thus, when we give of our time, when we give of our resources and we share that, you are storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for your future. You have a future. We are not promised tomorrow. So, you know, some people you know, or live this carpe diem life. I'm just going to seize the day, man. I'm going to spend it all. I'm going to swipe the credit cards. I'll worry about it later. That is not very wise. You have a future, right? And you've got to think about your future kids and your future grandkids, and you've got to think about your future in eternity. And so he says, when you are generous and when you are rich in good works, then you are storing up for yourselves, for your future. You're investing into eternity, And then he says he wants this all to happen so that they may take hold of that which is truly life, truly life. Some people aren't truly living today. You're spent, you're exhausted. You thought true life would be swiping the card and spending the money and having the stuff. Even if you can pay for it all, you realize that all the stuff that you're able to do and all the things that you own still isn't truly life because someday is a lie. Someday's a lie. And he's calling us to be generous. He's calling us to be willing to give. So how are we supposed to do that? Very practical now. How how does God's word teach us to do this? Malachi chapter three, verse 10 says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. For some of you, the the idea of tithing is something that you've learned in church and you've been around church and so you understand what it means. Some of you are brand new to church or maybe you're just young and you haven't uh, read anything about this, but the word tithe simply means 10%. It means that we give 10% of our income to God. And you ask, why 10%? Why is is that the number? I don't know, that's what God chose. And so we, we see that as the number that he has chosen for us and to live Uh, our our financial stewardship towards. And so we're to give 10%. And for for those of us that might be hearing this for the first time, this is like, whoa, how is that? How is that a thing? And and I've never, never actually done that. And and I will tell you this, you know, to to give financially is is for those who are like taking a, a step of faith, a step of trust, This is going to fly over the head of a lot of people. 
in the room and, and watching today because it's not something that, that you're concerned about. You're more concerned about season tickets than God's kingdom or making disciples. You're more concerned about possessions than you are about people. And so that's the shift in your heart right now that I'm, 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 I'm seeking and I'm praying that God would begin to shift in your life. Here's what I know about God. He wants to be first in our lives. He says, you can't serve money. You can't serve anything else and serve me. There's only one thing that can be first in our life. And so when we look to what Jesus says in Matthew 6, he clarifies how this works out. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. In other words, whatever your, wherever your heart is going, your money is flowing. Wherever my heart is, whatever I care about, whatever I'm passionate about, that's where my money flows. It's just natural. All we have to do is look at where our money is going. and We can say, oh, you love houses. You love the place where you live. Or, oh, you, okay, you love, you know, travel sports. You're putting a lot of money towards travel sports. These things are not bad things. Enjoy it, God says. But at but, but we have to live with a percentage mentality. We don't, we don't do one thing at the expense of what God calls us to do. And so he's after our heart. What most Christians do is they say, well, I'll obey God in every area of my life, except for money. This one's for me, God. You can't touch that one. I hear so many people live that way and what happens is they stop growing. They, they don't have the blessing of God in their life. And Jesus's words here need to ring clear. I know it's something you've read before. I know you have heard this, but he tells us don't store up treasures here on earth where they can be eaten by moths and get rusty and where thieves break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will be also. He's saying every possession that we have is, is wasting away. Clothes are going to be ruined all the you know, metal things in our life, they're, they're just gonna turn to rust. Everything that we can buy is gonna wear out. And he's calling us not to live on the wrong foundation, the wrong foundation of material possessions. Instead, invest in eternity. And so if we're gonna take this step, then there's one word that we need to realize that this is what it comes down to. It comes down to trust. It comes down to, do I trust God with what he has given to me? This is the test that every Christian has to go through. We are all taking this test, really probably at the end of of every week, anytime our check comes or is deposited into our account, we are having the temptation to either trust God or to trust our own selves. And this is where the rubber meets the road. It's the path of trust. It's when you admit that someday is a lie and it's not working. It's never going to work. And God knows though that when we do regularly tithe, when we give him 10%, he's getting my heart. Now he doesn't need my money. He doesn't need your money. Foothills Church doesn't need your money. God's gonna do what God wants to do in this church when he wants to do it. But the goal for you is not just to get into heaven. And I I hear people say this, I just wanna get my foot in the door, man. You know, I know God's gonna grade on a curve. He's gonna forgive me. I just need to get in. I don't care where I'm at as long as I am in. But the reality that we have to consider very carefully today, if Jesus isn't first in your heart today, how do you know you're even gonna get in there? How do you even know heaven is gonna be your home if he doesn't have your heart today? We can't bank on getting a, you know, 
a shack in heaven and just kind of on the outskirts of heaven. I just want to, I just want to be there. I'll do the very least minimal possible thing to get there. It's like, no, that's, that's not what it's about. It's about putting Jesus first in every area of our life and worshiping him. Some of you, I think you're probably ready. You want to take this step. You want to be faithful to God. You want to put him first in your life. But there is something very real that is present when you consider this, and it is fear. And the fear is, if I give to God, will I be able to pay my bills? Will I be able to take care of myself? And the first thing before we get into a plan is we have to realize that any decision we make out of fear is going to lead a lot of times to the wrong decision. There's actually a survey done every year by the Chapman University Survey of America, and they come up with this survey that for the last 10 years, they've discovered in America, in the top five every single year, we are afraid that we don't have enough money. Every year, this has been the case. Uh, money is an issue. Financial concerns is an issue. We're, we're the wealthiest nation in the world, and yet our biggest fear is we don't have enough. Now, if you survey 60 plus years uh, in, up in age, that generation, you know what, they're number one, not, not just top five, but if you're 60 or over, uh, according to the survey, your number one fear, you know what it is? Donald Trump's hair. Scares you to death. Just kidding, just making sure you're listening. Here's your number one fear. Not having enough money in retirement. Not having enough money in retirement. And if you're 60, if you're 50, you would probably say, yeah, that's kind of a concern. I want to make sure I have enough. I'm a little intimidated, a little afraid that, that what if I don't? We go back to the word trust. Were you faithful with what God has given to you? Then we can trust that God will take care of us. For each and every one of us, the fear is something that we're going to have to wrestle with. And there's a, a group I know, my, my, my fear, you know, today as I teach this is that you know, you're a first-time guest, and you're like, great. My first time here, and, and the guy's talking about money. That's just wonderful. That's just my luck. Well, you know, I want to tell you that we, we, we actually, in November, we take up one offering a year. We don't do, uh, uh, like, offerings throughout the, the year. It's one in, in, in November. We call it our vision offering. Then I teach one series on giving a year. Um, other than that, I just preach on sex, and so you should come back. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Uh, just kidding. We are starting a new series next week, though, um, on men and women and relationships, so I do hope that you'll come. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, when it comes to money, it really is all about fear and trust. It really is. And I can say that because I experienced the same thing just because I'm a pastor, uh, just because this is, you know, the church I lead, it doesn't make it any easier. Right? It's a challenge but I don't care if you're a high school student, you're in college, you're a young adult, or if you've got a family and your family has already been raised and, and, and they're off on their own. This is something you want to grasp and learn. Because the more that we get this under control, the more blessed I believe we are going to be. The fear isn't, am I giving too much? The fear ought to be, am I giving too little? The fear that we should think about 
is one day when we stand before God and we try to explain to him why I wanted to be called a Christian, but I didn't want to obey him. That's what we should fear. So I think it's time that we make some adjustments in our life. I think it might require some radical adjustments and we move out of the fear and we walk into obedience and we move away from the someday lie and we move into today, right here, right now. Today, I have heard God's plan, so I will be faithful. I will be faithful today. I'm gonna stop believing the someday lie and stop chasing things that, I'm never, that, that, that money is never gonna give me. And I'm gonna today say, I, I hear God's plan, so I'm gonna be faithful. I'm gonna be faithful. I'm gonna be faithful today. And we walk in faithfulness with him. In a different translation, I like this in uh, Malachi 3, verse 10, it says this, I am the Lord, all powerful, and I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire 10%. Then I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing after blessing. What I want you to see is, is the idea of the windows of heaven, heaven opening up blessing after blessing. That means that God's gonna take care of you. That means that, yes, this is part of the journey of trusting God that there has to be faith. If I give, how will X, Y, and Z happen? Well, when I give and I say, God, how is this gonna work out? And then he provides, my faith grows. It's the same as a parent. It's the same in every area of your life. God, I, I'm going to try to be faithful and do this, but I don't know. And how is this going to work out? We do what we feel like we're, we're called to do. And then God comes through and answers. And it's like, oh, yeah, you are God. I am not. I worship you. Thank you, God. Gratefulness. Faith grows. That's the journey that we're on. And this is the part of the, the journey that God has called each of us to journey with him. I know there's a group of people that every time a pastor teaches on money. Uh, they stick their nose up in the air and they think, well, I heard about the one guy and it's always one guy nobody's ever heard of or whatever. And, you know, he has a private jet and, you know, and, and they misuse their money and this and that. And so there's like this mentality that they heard some Christian do something bad with money. And so therefore, you know, they're all bad. And here's what I would say. It is a free country, man. If you don't trust our staff, go to another church and tithe. <laughs> Just because somebody has done something negative with God's money somewhere else in the country does not remove the responsibility for you to be faithful and give 10% to God. And you can use excuses all day long, but at the end of the day, you're going to have to make the call. Are you going to trust God? You can leave here today and say, well, Foothills Church, they're all about money. And I will tell you, you are not listening or you just heard what you wanted to hear. My heart is that I know what it feels like to live spent. I know what it feels like to, to be dumb with money. I've been dumb with money and I've had to dig my way out of it. And even when I dug my way out of it, Mike and I were faithful to give to God and he was able to do it. He's more than able to do it in your life. I don't want you to feel spent any longer than you've already felt it. I don't want you to live for someday. And, and, and I know that's a lie. And so our heart here is that you would put God first and recognize that, yes, fear is a reality for all of us. Will we have enough money? And so in order to resolve that fear, we trust God, but we're also planning, right? We have a financial plan. And so really simply here, Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. 
and your vats will brim over with new wine. <laughs> now, I realize this illustration is like, well, I don't have a barn, so this isn't really hitting, you know, the heart strings here. Maybe the wine thing wouldn't be a bad idea, but the barn, not so much. But the idea, what I want you to see here is overflowing, right? This is it. When I give, God will overflow blessings in my life. He will provide in ways that you never dreamed he would provide. And it's not just financially. Don't hear me say, if you give to God, you're going to be rich. That's, that's not what we're saying. But what I am saying is that there is a clear distinction in the word of God. When you are faithful with your resources and you are generous, there is a clear blessing that is given to us. Proverbs 11 says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, if you're feeling spent today, you don't feel refreshed. You feel exhausted and worn out and worried. But those who are generous, God prospers. And those who are generous will be refreshed by the Lord. I love what the scripture teaches us in Proverbs 22, 9. Blessed are those who are generous. We could go on and on and on. I think the point has been made. Like when we are generous, God blesses us. So what does that lead us to? It leads us to this. Commit to God's plan for financial freedom. We've got to commit to his plan, not the American plan. The American plan is spend more than you make, go into credit card debt, right? That's why the commercial ads and all of our friends tell us we got to have stuff, right? Because we feel like we're missing out. And so we have to wear the nice clothes. We have to buy the next thing because that's going to give us happiness. God says, no, I've got a different plan for financial freedom. It looks different, right? Proverbs 21 teaches us that it's a good idea to plan. Plan carefully and you'll have plenty. Plan carefully today. You'll have plenty when you retire. If you act too quickly, you will never have enough, right? So we're faithful and we walk with God through this and we trust him and we have faith. And so kind of let's just get really practical. Here's a 10-10-80 plan. 10-10-80 plan means the first 10% goes to God. God, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going I'm to put you first in my life where my treasure is. That's where my heart's going to be. So I'm going to put you first and I'm going to give 10% to you. And we automate that online so that we don't even have to think about it. And we're not even tempted with it any longer. We set it up and we walk away and now I'm not stressed about it. The next 10 represents the 10 that you're going to invest in yourself. 10% invest in your retirement, invest in stocks, invest in something. If you have credit card debt, that 10% goes to your credit cards and you pay them off. But you automate that payment too, so now you're not stressed about that. Now you step back and you automate that payment. And you're like, okay, I don't have to worry about it. Am I going to have to pay the minimum balance again? Am I going to do this? No, I'm going to give 10% towards that. And then we live off the remaining 80. And so pretty simple, but a lot, of, a lot of us were like, man, I can't live off 80%. And so what that would require is a lifestyle change. It's going to require maybe selling your car and getting a different car. It's going to require maybe selling your house. It's going to require putting things in order so that you can do this so that you can honor God and live with a plan, right? We're offering a, a course that we offer every year called Financial Peace University. If you're someone that like, okay, I need to learn this, I need to grow in this, I need to dive in deeper to this, maybe your debt is deeper or, or more than what you, you know, are comfortable with, this is a class that is, you know, you can watch it online 
and there is half of it's in person, so it meets your schedule and helps you through that. We can give you a financial mentor. If you think rich people got there without any help, you're, you're not thinking clearly. The, the people that you look up to and think, oh man, they figured it out. They had somebody help them get there. They had mentors around them. You, you need a financial mentor. I do. We all do. There are people in this room. They figured it out. They learned it from someone else. They trusted God through. They can help you get this together as well. But you have to lower your ego and realize that you're going to need some help through this. And so I want to encourage you to check that out. I also want to encourage you to even go to our website. The website is feelingspent.com and there's a tool on there that you can plug in all the numbers your housing costs your savings your food child care all the things that you're spending uh, in your budget and you can kind of begin to realize it'll kind of spit out based on the formula hey you're living spent hey you've got too much that you're you're spending in this area it's just a tool it'll help you i know some people Think of this and, you know, you hear this on tithing and you're like, well, well tithing is, is legalistic. Tithing is legalistic and I don't believe in it anymore. That's fine. What percentage do you give then? What number did you randomly come to? I, I don't care what it is. Like the Bible never says, hey, give sporadically. The Bible never says, don't think about money. Jesus talks about money more than anything else in the New Testament. He knows it's the number one temptation. The Bible never says, give your leftovers. No, over and over and over. The word of God says, give God your first and your best. And, and I believe it's 10%, but if you want to do another percentage, go for it. Go do something. Do 1%, do 5%. Start somewhere and give something. What do you think, it's legalistic or not? You can't argue with the fact that God is calling us to be generous in the word of God and there has to be some type of plan. So give something, do something. Some of you have been given 10% for years and you're the reason why Foothills Church is, is, is partly uh, where it is today. And I always wanna be challenging myself. I would challenge you. Maybe you would say we give 10, maybe we'll give 11 this year. We'll do something that will challenge us and, and, and we'll take the next step. And I would encourage you to do that. Whatever it is, it's gonna require trust. And when that happens, when we put our faith in motion, there's gonna be several wins in your life. The first win is, is that God is honored, he is worshiped, and that is a win. Anytime we give, it is worship. It is gratitude to God, right? That's a win. The second win is that your anxiety begins to become reduced because now you're not worried about your debt because you got a plan and you're following the plan. You're not worried about, am I giving or am I being faithful? No, you've got the plan that's automated and it's working and might take you a while to pay off the debt, but at least you have a plan that reduces anxiety. That's a huge win. The third win is that, hey, you're teaching your kids, if you have kids, what it looks like to, to you know, honor God with your finances. And so that's a huge win. Another win is that the work of God in his church is consistently and generously supported. And so making disciples continues to be impacted and God is glorified. And I'd say the fifth win is that God opens up the windows of heaven and he begins to pour out his favor and blessing in your life in ways that you've never experienced before. I just imagine what, what if 100% of us said, you know what, we're going to give something or we're going to give 10%. We're going to make adjustments and we're going to give and we start somewhere and we do something 
I just wonder how much more ministry could, could take place. What blessings does God want to give you that, that you're not experiencing today? I, I know we get land and we build a counseling center here. We'd build one in Knoxville too. We'd start churches in other cities around us. We'd hire some staff to be missionaries on the school campuses to help this next generation find Jesus. Lord knows they need it. Like th- that's what we would do. And God would be glorified and you would be blessed. And so that's my challenge. You see, when you aren't content, you'll live spent. And some of you, aren't you just tired of that feeling? You can make that shift today. Put God first in your heart, in your life. Let me pray for you. Father, as we, as we uh, dive into this challenging topic, it's very emotional for people. Lord, I pray that you would guide the conversations that we're going to have with maybe our family, our spouse, our kids. The temptation is to argue and fight about money. That's not what you want either, Lord. You want us to be on the same team looking to you, working this out as a couple. God, I pray that there would be men and women in this room that would put you first financially, even if it's a college student making minimum wage today, that they would honor you. And you teach them the benefits and the blessing. God, I pray that you would bless this community by blessing us. And God, I pray that we would just be found faithful today, Lord. So help our hearts absorb this. May your spirit work in our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.